The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, commuter connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit valottery.com. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Travis, you're looking great today. You have your little fake bow tie shirt on. You're a classy man. I like to dress up for my friends. That's fantastic. <laughs> for a classy show, mm. Fernando is with us. I think he kind of looks like Tucker Carlson, but nicer. Um, well, that's one of the higher insults you can give to the white. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing, wow. Fernando? You've done wow. it. Fernando, you've done it. You broke racism. Wow. I meant it with love. I meant it with love. <laughs> you look like Tucker Carlson. Has anyone ever told you you're a lipless dickhead? <laughs> oh, man. You look like Tucker Carlson. Well, thank you so very much. <laughs> wow. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We got a great episode for you all today. We're going to talk about the January 6th com- uh, commission. What's going down? What's new? Everyone is talking about it. We'll also discuss a little bit about what's going on when it comes to Joe Biden and voter rights and a smattering of other just fantastic stories that uh, are sure to make you happier. (laughs) Without a doubt, it's American politics. If they don't make you smile, you're not a sociopath. You're not doing it right. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Before I get into this, I was hanging out with my friend yesterday, and I, this has to, something, this is a Ben Kissel alert. Okay. Ben Kissel alert. Thank you. Basically, do you know it? Life insurance, mm-hmm. life insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know if you go to a therapist, let's say 10 uh, years yep, ago yep. and you say I'm mm-hmm. suicidal mm-hmm. because life is horrible. And sometimes people always think it must be irrational. Sometimes everything is wrong. Life mm-hmm. is horrible and it is technically reasonable to not want to be in it anymore. So you tell a therapist this, right? You go to get life insurance, let's say 10 years later, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you get rejected because you have to open up the files. Uh, my this my friend in this yep. case gave life insurance the right to look into his medical files. Mm-hmm. This is in the medical file. His therapist said that he was, quote, suicide adjacent. Mm. Oh, no. Suicide adjacent. So he lost life yep. insurance. Can't get it mm-hmm. for his family. Because 10 years ago or 15 years ago, he was rightfully depressed because his friend had died in front of his own eyes. So isn't that horrible? I had no idea. We're just adulting. We're all adulting together, folks. I had too much chili. 
I had no idea that life insurance would not pay out if you tell your therapist that you're depressed. Why else should you be going to therapy unless you were kind of depressed and maybe suicidal? Life insurance doesn't, most life insurances don't cover suicide. Oh, that's itself. horrible. I had a great conversation with Billy Jensen from the Murder Squad. Mm-hmm. He, he gave a solid post. It was an emotional post about suicide. A lot of mm-hmm. people have suicidal ideation. We have to talk about it. And the mm-hmm. fact that you get punished mm-hmm. for talking about it. Right. Isn't that insane, Travis? Did you know that? No, I also am not surprised, but also very surprised that the life insurance companies have a term for it. Suicide adjacent. I well, think it's more suicide curious, please. Curious, absolutely. <laughs> I'm bisuicidal. Uh, it could go exactly. either way at there any time. But at any time. the freaking truth? Well, the uh, reality is there's uh, more expensive uh, types of life insurance that you can actually sign up that include suicide. Did you know that? I did not. So you have to pay? Yes. So there's like perm life insurance and term life insurance, and uh, they, they do different things. And usually perm life insurance tends to cover suicide after the first two years of having it. Just uh, random fact insane. there. All right. I, I just got <laughs> dental insurance, and I'm very excited about that. So I don't know where life insurance fits in. I'll worry about that, you know, when I get suicidal. <laughs> But how is that not like a HIPAA violation? Though, right? I don't know. But I no. just, it's just unbelievable. It's like, I am going to pay you money for mm-hmm. me to live. Mm-hmm. And I'm only going to die once. Right. And it'll probably be like super long from now. You know, it'll be like a far time away. How won't you let me pay you? It's, it's a, I didn't want to start talking about suicide. It was more about uh, life insurance. But I'll tell you one thing. Suicide is an interesting topic politically in Switzerland because they're making suicide pods. It's a private company. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to feel about it because I feel like suicide, mm. you know, do you need a corporation to help you out? I feel like this is one of the things you kind of got to do on your own. <sighs> it's a personal know. thing. Very personal. It's a thing, personal absolutely. thing. Either way, if uh, if I ruled the world as according to the song, everyone wants to. I would immediately say, I'm sorry, life insurance. Mm. You're going to have to deal with people who are depressed because the vast majority of people, I think, have intrusive thoughts, dark thoughts. Of course Mm -hmm. we do. Right. Unless you are living this beautiful escapee lifestyle where it feels like you're on the lamb, but you're really free and you can do whatever you want and you never have to worry about what anyone says because you don't even have a flip phone. And even then, you probably have thoughts of suicide. <laughs> it's, the, it's the insurance companies. It's the medical field. It's the way uh, the healthcare system is designed. Scumbags. That is just horrible. Anyway, I just wanted to start with that little personal story of a friend of mine. And I had no idea that that was the case. So change your life insurance. I guess don't tell your therapist. I get, well, who else are you supposed to talk to? <laughs> tell your friends and tell them don't rat me out. Oh my god! Go. I just we have so much. When it comes to uh, you know mental health and the mental health crisis in this country because of right new down. technology, right whatever down. it might be, it's like why do you think people are scared to talk to other people? Just say <laughs> certain sentences; they're going to get narked out. Mm. Anyway. Mm. All right. Well, speaking of narcs, let's talk oh. about January 6th with the um, angle, the perspective mm-hmm. of what went on with the FBI. I believe mm-hmm. disliking the FBI is a bipartisan thing. Yep. And I think mm-hmm. we should always keep it that way. The same with the CIA. Democratic senators actually grilled Justice Department officials and FBI officials this past Tuesday for declining to declare January 6th rioters domestic 
terrorists or the <laughs> act as domestic terrorism. Right. Now, of course, the right wing or the Ted, Ted Cruz, he put on his little boots. Hi, Ted, are you here? Hey, y'all, it's me, Ted Cruz. I, I was going to go to Cancun, but now I'm here. Sound like <laughs> Lindsey Graham, but that's just fine with me. <laughs> Ted Cruz, he was grilling the FBI, talking about this guy. What's his name? Epps? Well, th- this is a big conspiracy, Ben. I I watched OAN on January 6th. It's okay. called Marjorie Tartar 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 Sauce. <laughs> Marjorie Tartar Sauce Green. It's green. She was talking about this, and and I didn't get to talk about it last week on our show, but I yes. can go into it if you want to get the well. Crazy I would like to go into it because report. That's what we're hearing. We always hear about these conspiracy theories, but mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, there are actual rational politicians that are um, not that Ted Cruz is acting irrationally because he wants to get elected, and in order to get elected. Rationally, you have to act irrationally in order to get the base to vote for you, and then you can stay as a senator. Same thing with like North Korea. Well, they're like, they're acting irrational. It's like, no, they want the bomb. It's technically very rational for them to right. want that. <laughs> now, of course, it's our job to uh, to stop them from getting it because that would be rational for us. Anyway, Travis, can you give us give us the background? Because I also have, you know, Democratic senators grilling the FBI because the FBI, again, not referring to the rioters as domestic terrorists. I don't know what else. I don't know what else that inta- I don't that seems to fit the definition. Um, Senator uh, Mazzy Hirono out of uh, Hawaii, a Democrat. Uh, they say when a mob of armed rioters use force in an attempt to overthrow the United States government, that's domestic terrorism. I agree. Uh, they go on to say, my understanding is the prosecutors have not been pushing for the sentencing enhancement available for the acts of domestic terrorism. So no one is happy with the FBI. Now let's go to the right. So the left is upset because they, they don't think the FBI is doing enough to punish the people again on January 6th. Mm-hmm. According to Senator Richard Blumenthal, the uh, Democrat out of Connecticut, he looks like Skeletor. Yeah. <laughs> this man is freaking horrifying. He looks like he is his toilet has nails sticking out of it oh. just so he can enjoy his poop. Oh, my God. He is a, he's a dark man. But anyway, Senator Richard Blumenthal, he says, why is the Department of Justice not used that statute that clearly applies to domestic as well as international terrorism? So anyway, there is the left's uh, anger towards the FBI. I think reasonable. Absolutely. The FBI, if it was a different group of people, mm-hmm. perhaps we would have a different set of outcomes. If there uh, was a bunch of Fernandos out there, there no. we know there would be a lot. I mean, of look what happened with COINTELPRO. Look what happened with the Black Panther Party. Look what happened when mm-hmm. it came to um, the, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on the name of the Puerto Rican uh, group that was a freedom fighting group. From New York, right? Yes. Oh, I can't re- I remember that. Yes. I forget. Anyway. We remember you. <laughs> things may have been a little bit different if it was one of those groups that was protesting. But what is going on now with the right when it comes to Larry Epps? What's this story? And you say it's a conspiracy theory. Is that the truth? Well, we don't know. Obviously, it's like Michael Moore said, uh, I don't believe in conspiracy theories except the ones that are true. So what we have here is the FBI <laughs> well, pulling a, quote a classic. Michael Moore. What is happening today? <laughs> Started off with suicide about 10 minutes in. We'll get Michael Moore in there just to make sure people aren't having fun. <laughs> We just want to make sure this is the suicide episode. <laughs> Michael Moore, dude. of course, is killing himself slowly with hot dogs and bacon. Thank oh, you. Dude, where's so my much. country? Thank dude, you. where's Thank my you. dude? Where's my subway sandwich? Where's, dude, my, sandwich? where's my steak? <laughs> 
But long story short, we got the FBI doing basically the uh, classic James Comey dance where you dance around mm. and everyone hates you. That's what happened to James Comey in 2016. Everyone was mad at him. He and you so see bad. the FBI basically doing the same thing here post January 6th. So you pointed out very rightfully uh, what the Democratic senators were asking the FBI today is what I would call a very spicy hearing, Ben. Mm. And then it, spicy it meatball. turned even spicier by our uh, five star chili loving Texas senator. Uh, Ted, Ted Cruz. Cruz. Yes. Okay. So this is something I didn't really get to last week when I was okay. watching OAN. We were talking about our January 6th coverage and the various ways the networks were covering that. And again, One America News, 90% funded by AT&T. It was a member of the AT&T board that created uh, One America News and One America News is true poison. All right, go on. Well, there you go. And in the morning of January 6th, they were running this video of Someone who they say is an FBI agent, and he, the video is from the night before. Okay. Uh, January 6th, so it was January 5th. Keep in mind, the same night, Roger Stone was making speeches saying that mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump was the greatest president since Abraham Lincoln because he freed this slave. Good grief. Those is a lot happening <laughs> in D.C. that night. Travis, it seems like they're accusing this fellow Ray Epps of being FBI Right. So supposedly, according to the people who took the video, a federal agent who was urging people that were going into the Capitol. And that's what he says in the video. And then people start yelling at him in the video, fed, 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 because the people there at the time felt it was very suspicious for him to be saying that. And some people may have thought he was FBI. So I thought nothing of this at first when I saw it on OAN in the morning. But then I saw old MTG Majory Taylor Greene. Uh Uh-huh. Basically reinforcing this idea that we know about a federal agent who is urging people to go into the Capitol and there's video, et cetera, et cetera. Now, today at this hearing, that has been doubled down upon by Ted Cruz. Now, keep in mind, Ted Cruz was in hot water last week, right, for mm-hmm. using the T word. Mm-hmm. And he's treason. Trying- That's good point. <laughs> Travis, another T word once again, which we won't go down that road again. We, won't we go already down that covered road all again. the T's and that. dotted our eyes. <laughs> But that's a solid freaking point. Mm -hmm, Why is he going mm -hmm. after this now? Why is he going for this weird, low-hanging conspiracy fruit? Why is he trending Mm -hmm. with the Marjorie Taylor Greens? Because he called him treasonous, and now he has to walk it back after he apologized to the aforementioned Tucker Carlson. Boom. Perfect. Follow it up with a vacation at Cancun. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So why? what is the point? What's the goal, then, for the Republicans, for Ted Cruz, for the people that want to whitewash what happened on January 6th for their own political gain, what's the end game? It's mm-hmm. the Democrats. That's the end game is that it's not Trump's But the FBI fault. is not. I talked about this on Fox News. The FBI is not liberal. They, you know, right. by no stretch of the imagination is the FBI some, you know, the, some cannabis loving, acid taking <laughs> metal or I don't even know uh, what would be uh, liberal tunes. Maybe Grateful Dead? Yellow uh, Bell. Oh. I don't some Yellow nice, uh, some nice Pete Seeger folk tunes. Some Pete That's Seeger very folk. Well, maybe the other guy listens to that. CCR, don't they like that? CCR is universal. Oh, There's okay. no political affiliation <laughs> to CCR, nor the band. But uh, this Willie is, Nelson, however, he, he I love Willie. No, he, he, homie's I mean, a Democrat. Yeah. Homie mm-hmm. is a Democrat. But mm-hmm. this is what Trump was talking about, you know, with the drain the swamp and even the inside men they're against us. It's feeding that narrative, truly. 
I, that's exactly what the goal is. I don't see any other reason to do this. And to right. your point, Fernando, that's who is basically taking this Ted Cruz clip and running with it. It's uh, uh, former one of our favorite progressive journalists, Glenn Greenwald, who is now kind of doing this weird dance where he's going on Fox News. And he was ex- actually backing up yeah. Ted Cruz's claims because, of course, Glenn Greenwald is very against the intelligence state or the, sure. the quote unquote deep state. But I thought uh, Congressman Adam Kitzinger, who, of course, is uh, – along with Cheney's only one of two Republicans who was on the January 6th committee himself. And he did make the point, and it is a valid point, that the Trumpers and the people who keep trying to make excuses for what happened on January 6th are kind of dancing around and still not taking responsibility. They blamed Antifa. Okay, well, you got a picture of one Antifa person. Mm-hmm. Now they're blaming the FBI. It's like, okay, well, you have one video of a, a quote-unquote maybe an FBI guy. They can't prove that, obviously. If they do prove it, even then, are you saying one person got all these thousands of people to go to the Capitol? There's only one person who did that, and his name was President Donald Trump. And that person with the FBI or the accused FBI agent is named Ray Epps, Ray Epps. Um, that's what people say. Several Republican senators use their questioning to embrace and fuel this conspiracy theory. Again, that is why when it comes to these committees, whether it be the 9-11 committee, the January 6th committee, whatever it is, all the truth is said behind closed doors. Mm. We only see the stuff that is a lot like we're what like it is real time, like blackout. No, we can't yep. ask that. Yep. Don't ask that. Absolutely. Don't ask that. So all of this is, again, is political gamesmanship. And the sad thing is that we can't get the Democrats and Republicans in this country to agree that what took place on January 6th was an act of domestic terrorism. And then if you're the Republicans, just move on. I don't know why they want to stick in it. They they really they don't whatever you again. Them terrorists. Fundraising is key, and that was one of the. I did like Fauci today. Um, and I hate <laughs> to even say the name Fauci Mueller two Whatever. I hate people who like wear him on his shirt and all that. Right. Oh, I'm Fauci ouchy. Whatever. I don't want to have sex with the man. I don't particularly care for the fellow. Maybe he's really hmm. good, Ben. Maybe he is. I'm sure he's great. He's a doctor. <laughs> he knows all about the human body. <laughs> but I do think you made a great point in that vein of the uh, politicization mm-hmm. and monetization mm-hmm. of these committees. When he talked to Rand Paul, of course, this is about COVID naturally. And Rand Paul has fire Fauci right next to the donation button. So <laughs> right. all of these things, it's it, through the uh, through the paradigm of politics. It I not surprisingly always comes down to money. But what is surprising is the technique for milk in the cash. So Ray Epps, in many ways, when it comes to a distraction point, is kind of like a Vince Foster. Mm, yes. Uh, it's kind of like a Seth Rich. Mm-hmm. Vince Foster, that story is freaking crazy. I'm not saying that the Clintons' hands are clean in any, <laughs> no. in any fashion. But nonetheless, some of these stories, of course, become conspiracy or are conspiracy. And uh, they're conspiracy that never pans out because it's simply not true. So we will figure out uh, or we won't. I have no idea. As far as Ray Epps goes, apparently he was in there. They're like, why didn't you why didn't you charge that guy? Because um, mm, he's an inside man. Man. You know, as we've talked about before, when it comes to uh, FBI sting operations, a lot of times they do a lot of the heavy lifting. This case. It's just not the same as Richard Reed, the shoe bomber. It's not the same as so many other. I forget the documentary that I watched, but it was uh, four men who were then tried with domestic tried for domestic terrorism who couldn't even tie their own freaking shoes. The FBI did everything. They never even had firearms. So the FBI does 
um, position people to commit crimes. There's no mm-hmm. denying that. That's what Absolutely. they do. They create theater. That's what happens. But in this case, again, unless this man was the single greatest town crier ever, <laughs> one man did not do this. Exactly. Again, other than the man with the microphone that was exactly. sitting on stage, uh, perhaps wearing a diaper. So uh, we'll we'll figure out, or maybe we won't again. We'll just keep you updated as best we can uh, to figure out what is happening with the January 6th committee, because I'm not going to sit here. I ain't going to sit here and pretend like we don't know what happened on January 6th. Oh, I know. Right. So this this whole committee, all that stuff, this is just like a whole, this is a side quest. Money. Money. This is a side quest. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll keep you up to date on the politics of the January 6th committee. As, uh, of course, we're going to continue to find out more. Now, for those that don't recall, the they have the right to subpoena, but yeah. the committee really doesn't have that much power. They have subpoena mm-hmm. power, and that's basically it. And then, of course, if you say, I'm not doing it, uh, it would take uh, further department. It would take the Department of mm-hmm. Justice to uh, go on and prosecute. So. Well, and to that point, you know, there are people who uh, do work for the government that could have been complicit with what happened on January 6th and urged people to do things on January 6th. And they are potentially Congress people. And that includes yeah. Jim Jordan. Mm-hmm. And that's the big legal question they're working on now. Can Congress subpoena another member of Congress? It's kind of never been done, especially, you know, when you're someone like Jim Jordan and he keeps like yeah. uh, doing that weird dance where he denies everything, but then he also can't remember anything. So something that they said will be more helpful is something like uh, getting texts and phone call records. That's how mm-hmm. we got the Mark mm-hmm. Meadows texts yes. and so on and so on. So those, of course, uh, doing it that way tends to be a little more productive. And of course, subpoena was also what Lindsey Graham and uh, Strom Thurmond used to do in the bathroom. Um, so <laughs> hey, I, the, biscuits, y'all. Hey, biscuits, y'all. The other y'all. angle to this, though, from the, uh, I don't even want to say left perspective, from the reasonable American hmm. loving perspective, mm-hmm. if anything, the FBI didn't have enough people out there. Exactly. <laughs> Not enough dudes in the crowd because stirring a, things. According to uh, experts here, according to insiders of the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, they didn't seem concerned about what was going on on January 6th. And this is according to a fella. Uh, his name is Danielle Harvin. Uh, he says, and he is the Homeland Security and Intelligence Chief Officer for Washington, D.C. Uh, he says if January 6th was mentioned, that would have just been a footnote. So this wasn't even on the mm-hmm. FBI radar. So I think from that perspective, you could easily say, did the Trump Justice Department just allow this to occur? There's wow. so many different angles. And of course, wow. you know, the Ted Cruz's of the world just trying to get the sound bite. And maybe it works on Twitter. But it certainly isn't right. Right. Uh, Harvin said, you didn't need to be an intelligence analyst to understand what was coming. He goes on to say, my daughter, who doesn't work in intelligence, texted me several days before January 6th. She said, quote, is it going to be safe uh, to go there? Do you see what's there? Do you see what they're saying online? So you're telling me a young daughter could figure out that the threat was serious, but the FBI couldn't? Please. Right. So the committee is working on to understand why there was not a joint FBI DHS intelligence bulletin about about the many threats made online. I mean, it was pretty freaking out there. You would think the FBI would have known again, unless it was willful ignorance on their part, which led to the death of five people, uh, most of them uh, police officers. 
and just devastated countless lives. Uh, just horrible. So according to the committee, they say, even though obviously there's been tremendous coverage about the warnings in plain sight, the FBI still did nothing and hmm. DHS did nothing. This is one area where uh, they certainly dropped the ball. And again, when it comes to conspiracy, if we want to dabble in that world, inaction is also action. Absolutely. And if mm. you look at what happened on 9-11, mm-hmm. was it possible to deter it? Was it possible to stop it? Was it possible to end it before mm. it even happened? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of evidence that says that there was. I mean, we could have killed, uh, we could have killed Osama bin Laden in 9-7. And now here is the inaction is also action. Absolutely. Could they have simply been there and prevented uh, this from happening? So I, the, the angles that are taking place in mainstream politics, they are as uh, as what happens in Ghostbusters. When you get your wires crossed, things explode. Mm. It's a lot of shadows of James Comey 2016. He didn't do enough and then he did too much. And I do just want to say in terms get of your the, people, streams. the people who were yelling at uh, Ray Epps, they're calling Fed, Fed, Fed. You can see it in this video that uh, OAN is showing all the time and Ted Cruz was showing. Um, keep in mind that our friends, the good liars were there and people were yelling at them like they're Antifa. And right. that was not correct. It was just two guys doing some bits. So there you go. Yeah, according to a spokeswoman from the FBI, they did defend its record. This is a statement they gave to NBC News. They say, throughout 2020, the FBI alerted its partners of the threat of domestic violent extremism, including warning that threat posed by violent extremists with partisan political grievances was likely to increase through the 2020 presidential election and beyond. In the lead up to January 6th, the FBI was actively engaged in gathering intelligence, disrupting travel, and sharing information with our partners. The FBI specifically warned state, local, and federal partners about the potential for violence at the January 6th events. So, AKA, they didn't do anything. What I imagine is that there was an FBI agent and he gets a profile of what, you know, the, the threat, the perspective threat, and he sees it's a person of a not not a minority. He sees that they're probably not poor, that they, you well, know, they're in a financial. And he sees that they their whole thing is we love America. Yeah. And then it's like, would they ever mm-hmm. storm yeah, so, the Capitol? Exactly. That doesn't seem like they would love America a, if they did a that. A bunch of them were veterans, too. So many right. veterans were there. So when John you look Rambo. at, you know, if you do, if you do uh, one by one, these people don't look bad. But when you when you get a crowd of them and hundreds of them, I'm just scared of any crowds, man. I'm just scared of crowds. I'm trying to find the you know why how the FBI could have failed this. But, you know, they just they they just did. They were right there. It was all happening right there. Uh, anyway, so we'll continue to learn more about who knew what. And that's kind of an interesting thing when it comes to the January 6th committee. But as far as changing in hindsight, changing and altering the facts of that day, don't <laughs> let them do that. Absolutely not. Because that's exactly what they're attempting to do. It wasn't Antifa. It wasn't the FBI. It was indeed Trump supporters doing exactly what they said they would do. And as I've said, believe people when they tell you who they are. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna. To keep her secret recipe alive. 
take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. All right, let's move on a little bit when it comes to mandates. Mm. Mm. I haven't been on a date in a long time. <laughs> I love mandates. I know you do, Fernando. <laughs> I wish I did, too. That's all right. I like to just hang out with the boys. I wish I could get hard. <laughs> At least that would be... Managing that, Travis. If you if we were just then you wouldn't even be living. We we would just be in together. We'd be in it. Mm-hmm. It'd be great yeah. if you looked at my body and you liked it. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Yep, I've seen. God it. knows I've you've seen, seen it. it a lot. Uh, you know that Commonwealth marriage. I don't know how that would work out, y'all. <laughs> he's probably well. gonna cheat on me. <laughs> Travis is probably gonna cheat on me. Is what he's gonna he do? Is you gonna take Puffin? Puffin. <laughs> me and Puffin are running away together. <laughs> oh, Puffin. Well, I just love. Running away with Travis, baby. Yeah, I guess we're not running anywhere. I guess we're more waddling away. We're waddling (laughs) away. That's what Puffin does. It's looking as if the Supreme Court is going to deny the Biden administration's COVID mandates. Now, it's interesting because evidently they kind of have a history of being receptive to states and statewide mandates. But in this case, there's a couple of things that are different. First, it would impact some 80 million folks and require large employees to mandate that their employees either get vaccinated or submit weekly testing. Now, according to conservative Justice Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, and Amy Coney Barrett, they suggested that the Biden administration's rule was too broad and it cannot be issued under the agency's emergency powers. So Barrett, again, Amy Coney Barrett, all of that was a, that's a Trumper or not a Trumper, perhaps, but a, but of course appointed mm-hmm. by Trump asked whether a quote, more targeted regulation aimed at industries with a higher risk of transmission would be more likely to pass the legal muster. Mm-hmm. So it seems as if people who they may carve out then people who are nurses, right. people who are on the front lines when it comes to healthcare. However, when it comes to larger corporations that are maybe not necessarily that have employees that aren't in situations where they might mm-hmm. be super high susceptible, risk. high risk to getting COVID, uh, perhaps that mandate will not hold. Hmm. Um, the second case concerned a regulation that requires certain healthcare employers who work for facilities that participate in Medicare or Medicaid programs to obtain vaccinations. In that dispute, more justices seemed receptive to the Biden administration's authority, hmm. particularly course. Roberts. Now, Roberts has been an interesting member of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's bucked his own you know, or traditional uh, conservative views on on some things. He's been a little bit more pragmatic than a lot of people expected, I think. Um, he believes that there was a closer link between healthcare workers and vaccine mandates. This is what he said. He said, I mean, people already get sick when they go to the hospital, but if they go and face COVID-19 concerns, well, that's much worse. Um, they also questioned if Republican-led states behind the challenge had the legal right to be in court because they only operate uh, some of the facilities, neither the facilities nor workers challenge the requirement, something Kavanaugh noted in his oral arguments. So hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Supreme Court. Justice Elena Kagan said uh, this is a this pandemic. This is a pandemic in which nearly 10 million people have died. It is by far the greatest public health danger that this country has faced in the last century where more and more people are dying every day. So the question is, do mandates save lives 
or is it just creating uh, another class of people that are now going to be deemed criminal? I also mm. wonder if this is not a violation of the Fourth Amendment mm-hmm. when it comes to um, privacy. I don't know. I, it just mandates to me. I still think people need to have personal choice and autonomy over their own bodies. And I feel like if you do a good job of messaging why vaccinations mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. then the mandate shouldn't be needed. And you have the right to die, too. If you don't want <laughs> right. if you don't want to get a vaccine, if you're like, well, I'm going to go with this herd immunity, I'm going to go, I don't know, suck off a rabbit. I have no <laughs> idea what people want to do. You're allowed to die. You know, that's if that's what you want. So I just feel like the government needs to message why. Why is the vaccine important? What does it do? How is this going to help you, uh, you know, stay out of the hospital? How is this going to keep you alive? Because right now, what people are looking at is the money. Mm-hmm. They're looking at big pharma making mm-hmm. $10 billion a week. They're looking at how much money is going into the coffers of these politicians. And then as soon as that comes into play, it's like, okay, are we all extending this because you guys can bank on it? Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. gets really sketchy. Once you start following all of the money, and I think that's what people are starting, I think that's what people are seeing, and that's why they're very skeptical. Because really, a mandate, isn't that basically just a government contract with Pfizer and Merck? Yeah, because who else is providing the services that they're mandating? Yeah, you know, right. and there was a lot of there was so a lot, it's of, a lot of money in there. There's a lot like of money in a mandate. Eighty billion dollars for Pfizer. You know, this year alone, there's a lot of money involved in. in, in so the question is: Is this about public safety? Or is this about making a lot of freaking cash? Right. And then we've also discussed as uh, there's a great article that Travis sent us when it comes to investments of people who are in office. And we're learning again, they're just they're they're able to trade on the they can do whatever they want with mm-hmm. the stocks and all those things. NFTs. Right. <laughs> stocks. Get a stock. Don't make fun of me, Ben. So doesn't it lead to the potential for human beings to be human beings, which in many cases, based on upon our human condition, leads to greed mm-hmm. and uh, leads to people maybe not doing what's best for others because they can make some bank. And then in this case, they can cloak it with public safety, which, right. of course, we all want people to be safe and we all want people to be alive and we want families to be together. And I wish nobody ever died. Right. Well, as we touched on last week, Nancy Pelosi, of course, is the queen of making these trades uh, behind the scenes. Um, the, the financial ticker, the tracker of Nancy Pelosi's stocks that uh, Fernando pointed out keeps getting removed and kicked off of Twitter. <laughs> and it's just like, gee, I wonder why that is. Yeah, um, that's ridiculous. You're, you're making a lot of good points. I think the biggest issue is here is the fact that it's a federal mandate as opposed to the states, because right. you're absolutely right. I was reading an interesting article this weekend that most governors at this point, Democrat uh, and Republican, uh, are starting to go more the route of, here's the science on vaccines, here's the science on masks, and there's going to probably start doing less shutdowns and less of the more restrictive measures that we saw early in the pandemic in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And that includes my governor here in Ohio, Republican Mike DeWine. He goes out there and does his press conferences. He says we're not going to mandate a vaccine, but then he quickly notes that 90% of the hospitalizations in Ohio are people who are unvaccinated. And you hope 
messages like that do resonate with people. Yeah. Um, the last point I do want to make, you made a great point about Chief Justice John Roberts, right? Who was appointed by George W. Bush. And I remember w. being in college, we were like, oh, God, that's the end of the liberal court and whatever chance we had. But in fact, he has turned out to be quite uh, more of a swing voter on that. Yes. He was the fifth and deciding vote to protect Obamacare. You may remember when yeah. uh, the Republicans were trying to take he got that a lot out. of flack for that. Mm-hmm. A lot of flack. And you're kind of approaching a point where it's almost instead of two teams and issues like these, maybe not so much on abortion and guns and things like that, but certainly on health issues. And certainly, as you mentioned, the privacy issue that goes with health, you know, keep in mind, that's how Roe and Wade, uh, Roe v. Wade, that's how we got Roe v. Wade. Right. It was a privacy issue between a woman and her doctor. Mm-hmm. You almost have three teams, right? You're, you got uh, your Clarence Thomas, Alito and Amy Coney Barrett are your conservatives. You got your Kagan, Sotomayor and Breyer are your liberals. And then you got Chief Justice Roberts and Gorsuch and even Kavanaugh are kind of doing these switch hitters where Gorsuch and Sotomayor have cited on several issues before. So who knows how this thing's going to turn out? Yeah. Strange bedfellows. My Ooh. issue, my issue with all this is, is it seems like it applies to certain people and not other people, which is what really bothers me. For example, what the, what the vaccine mandate we were just discussing, it would not apply to people that are in healthcare. So if you're in healthcare, you can still be mandated to get a vaccine. Right. You know, it. it Do you think it is because when it comes to mandates, obviously a lot of cities are doing it. Eric Adams is going to continue that in New York. Um, I'm not sure how that is going to work out for them. We shall see. Uh, he did beat me by 97%, <laughs> but uh, that's just a flesh wound. Um, do you think that the group of people not wanting to get vaccines, mostly minorities, do you think that has something to do with the mandates as well? Do you think that they that's, would be doing this if it was a different group exactly, of people that exactly. didn't want to get, I mean, who knows? That's what I was about to say. The same with what you talked about Medicare. So he's okay with people who are on Medicare getting a mandate for vaccines, but wow. the other people not. Again, who is the mandate applying to? Are the are the people in power, do they tend to work in healthcare? Nah. Who tends to work in healthcare? People, not necessarily people of color, but people in that economic bracket. So these mandates, while I I am so pro-vaccination and I'm so pro-society, I am with your statement that you said about people not wanting to get vaccinated. I'm not okay with that because you live in society. If you don't want to get vaccinated, go live in the woods. Where, uh, where sure. you can't infect anybody, but you know, wow. but if you if you're part of society, there's certain rules that we have to be that have to be uh, applied. Do they apply to everyone, or do they apply to only the poor people and the serving class? That's a very good point from Fernando. And Fernando, I remember when you made that point when we were talking about New Zealand banning the uh, the cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. And, or and even some states starting to ban uh, menthol cigarettes. And it's very oh, much of well, who cool. is this? Who are they trying to hurt? And who? As these laws we've seen, whether it's a prohibition law or a mandate law, who seems to get hit first? It tends to be people of the minority the class. class. The Absolutely. working class. The, the poor people. This mandate isn't going to hurt the very rich. This mandate's only going to hurt people who are at risk of losing their job because they didn't get a vaccine. Who, wow. What class of people is that? Yeah. Absolutely. I guess the question again is, is the mandate, is that legal, is that... Is, is that right? I mean, yeah. even if it isn't, if it, even if it isn't, le- if it's not legal or not, even with that in mind, is it moral? Are we applying it to everybody or are we only applying it to the people we need to get back in Burger King, the people we need to get back to work? Mm. Well, there's a, you know, TSA pre-check, 
you know, there's always there's always a way to if you have cash, you can avoid a lot of lines. It, it, that, that's right. Very, that's, very that's great exactly way to it. Great example. But, yeah. So is everyone getting treated fairly um, when it comes to their civil rights? I, I don't think so. And I think that's unfortunate. And again, mandates are one thing. And I feel like people just naturally when they're told to do something, they say, I'm not going to do it. And then it leads to a whole nother power fight. And now it's not even about the vaccine. It's about you telling me to do something I don't want to do. But now mm. I'm going to not do it, even though I would have done it. But then you told me to do it. And it's this whole cluster of just madness. And uh, we will see what happens with the Supreme Court. Will they side with Biden or will they say, no, Joe, that, no, ain't, Joe. that ain't right. Leave it to the states. I think it's going to be the latter. And you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to circle back for one second when it comes mm. to individual stock trading from members of Congress, Senator John Ossoff. Mm. He's out of Georgia. He has actually introduced a bill barring members of Congress from trading individual stocks. He's probably not very popular there at lunch, <laughs> but that's okay. Mm. It doesn't matter. The Jello will still love you. Oh, I love Jello. So mm. Senator Ossoff is set to introduce a bill that would bar members of Congress from trading stocks. Now, the question is, will this go anywhere? Probably not. Uh, insiders released findings that revealed dozens of lawmakers had infringed on the Stock Act. So Ossoff says, that's enough of that. Uh, the ethics bill, this dude's only 34 years old. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Look at mm -hmm. that guy. I think that's the reason why, the fact that he's a young man. He doesn't have all that money in stocks yet. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. He's new. He's new to the Senate. In addition, the legislation would... Uh, it would likely mandate that lawmakers place their financial assets in blind trust. This is a mandate I can get behind. An action mm. that Ossoff took himself after being elected to the Senate in January. Yeah, that's my boy. There we go. Some positive news. The proposed bill will present a huge contrast to Nancy Pelosi, who has publicly defended the practice of basically insider trading. Exactly. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi, by the way, this will be the last year. Mm -hmm. uh, that she is in charge of the Democratic Party, and it looks as if, or the uh, the House of Representatives, and it looks as if um, James Clyburn, Clyburn might take over, or mm. another fella might take over, and that fella is Travis. You know his name, Steny Hoyer. Steny Hoyer. Yeah, yeah. The Democrats, when it gets down to it, they're very by the book when it comes to their leadership. So Steny Hoyer's next in line. Clyburn after him. Yeah, fantastic. So I am happy with Ossoff. We'll see if the bill goes anywhere. I have a feeling it might be dead on arrival. Right. It's kind of like asking Congress when they do they do every session to uh, raise their own salary. It's kind of like asking them to, hey guys, how do we take a pay cut? Mm. <laughs> well, have we thought that. about mm, have we thought about not doing Can that? We, maybe we not do that. Maybe mm. we not mm. do that. Mm. But it is good for Ossoff because keep in mind one of the senators he replaced was Kelly Loeffler from Georgia, and she, like uh, Richard Burr from North Carolina, sold millions in stocks after they were told privately about COVID. So good yep. on Ossoff. Uh, of course, when the speaker was asked, that's Nancy Pelosi. When she was asked about insider trading, she said, we're a free market economy. They should be able to participate in that. Of course, by definition, they are hindering Literally. the free market because <laughs> yeah. they are, again, insider trading. Uh, 
I uh, think this has to do with the with the way age is changing politics. Younger people have better ideas for the good of everyone. I hmm. I'm just I'm maybe I'm tooting my own horn. Is it thirty? Oh, he's tooting his own horn. But you know, uh, tubing. You're seeing the changes made in like Europe by thirty six year old prime ministers and stuff. I think younger people, newer blood, is really bringing in the change that that they, they their constituents want to see. I don't know, man. I saw a lot of kids in MAGA hats traveling the country, so I really have no idea what the future holds. Uh, apparently, there was 52 congressional lawmakers and 182 senior congressional staffers that infringed on the Stock Act. Mm. That was an Obama-era law to clamp down on insider trading. Apparently, it did not work whatsoever. Mm. Um Yes, it is. So far, no Senate Republicans have publicly voiced opposition against stock trading among members, but House Republicans, including Michael Cloud and Chip Roy out of Texas, uh, back legislation ending the practice. So there is uh, there is some crossover. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they have both said that they are fine. They endorse Stock trading bans. I think it just sounds like it would be better for the American people if these politicians weren't benefiting again, oftentimes off of monetized human suffering, which is why nothing gets done and it continues every day. So uh, we'll see what happens. The name of the bill is Ban Conflicted Trading Act. So that's exciting. The Ban Conflicted Trading Act bill. Yep, that was introduced uh, last year, actually, by four lawmakers, including Jeff Merkley of Oregon Ooh. and Raphael Warnock. Woo. So there we go. So it's being kicked around. Uh, Pelosi is one of the wealthiest members of Congress with a minimum estimated net worth of $46 million. She's got Jesus a lot of mutual Christ. funds, property holdings, and stocks owned by her husband, Paul. Pelosi's husband possesses holdings in a range of companies from Alphabet to Netflix to Salesforce and Slack. Yep. Yep. So then you have to wonder when is Slack going to get the next government contract? Right. (laughs) Like Merck and Pfizer just got. Um, Anyway, according to a December survey conducted by a conservative group, Convention of State Action, 76% of voters give a thumbs down to lawmakers and their spouses trading stocks. So it's a political winner, but Mm. I guess it's not a winner for them personally. So they shall continue lying to our faces. Well, we'll see what happens when Nancy Pelosi retires here in two years and goes and gets to count her $46 million. Maybe someone else younger will step up and tell Congress to take a cut. I mean, it's not even taking a cut. It's just it's just obviously it's be like it'd be like if you played for the Chicago Bulls and you had money on the Knicks to win and you were playing (laughs) the Knicks. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. You can't do it. I mean, it just doesn't once money gets involved. Just corrupts everything. Yeah. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Speaking of lying, uh, a couple of funny lies here. Joe Biden, I didn't realize he was doing this, but apparently Joe Biden claimed that he was like marching with everybody in the 1960s. But I guess that's not true. <laughs> oh, um, he I, apparently this is the thing. The 80s and the 90s and early 2000s, politicians could just say stuff mm-hmm. and there was yeah. no fact checking. What about you go to microfiche right. and search for Joe Biden <laughs> if he was marching in Selma mm-hmm. so they could just say stuff. But now people are like, that ain't true. And they're like, good point. <laughs> point, counterpoint. Wow. I think, I think it's because he's old and he forgets that Google is a thing. Yeah, and maybe. so he makes claims like, you know, like you could in the 90s and 87. You could just say something right. and no one could microfiche well, it. He well, said keep it. in mind, Joe Biden had to drop out of his presidential run in 88 because he straight up stole someone else's speech i believe that's they call right. that uh what's the term plagiarism that they call it? thank you very much yes that's what he got in trouble in 1988 well it was the 80s free love i guess that was the 60s i don't know what was going on in the 80s a lot of glass tables and cocaine a lot of round reganin yeah <laughs> so joe biden in his speech uh this past tuesday he mentioned that he was once arrested during the civil rights movement demonstration. And I actually think he gave he gave a fairly good speech. It was decent. Mm-hmm. I'm voting it. rights and voting rights are key. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not even I don't even disagree with the need for voting rights. We desperately need voting rights in this country. And as we talked on the last episode, I think there were some fantastic statutes within that legislation. 15 days pre-vote, mail-in voting, uh, having voting be a national holiday. Mm-hmm. So people who have jobs that they can't go talk yep. to their boss and be like, can I go vote, please? So they won't get freaking fired. So there's so many great things in there, mm-hmm. but then he also just like a politician <laughs> where it's just like, it's like when you look at your dog shitting in the house and you're like, you were so good <laughs> all day. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And now you're just, why? But now you're looking at me. Why? Just, yeah. why? why now? Yeah. He handicaps his own argument when he does stuff like that. And the, the wild thing I'm sure progressives will remember, there was a guy running for president who did get arrested at a civil rights protest in the 60s. His name is Senator Bernie Sanders. And he Bernie. didn't brag about it and he didn't lie about it. They literally found the microfiche of it and put it on T-shirts. Yeah. Bernie's been around. He's been blabbing for a long, long time. And I love his old mayoral campaign. He used to do, I believe it was every week. Mm-hmm. He did a he did a show on public access that is yeah. a true delight. It was like delight. Bernie on the street. He was like talking to voters on the street. And he was freezing freaking cold. Everything <laughs> is cold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. This is according to Biden. This is where he just starts making stuff up, right? So he's talking to a bunch of kids. And he's like, I did not walk in the shoes of generations of students who walked these grounds, but I walked other grounds because yeah. I'm so damn old. I was there as well. And then he says, you think I'm kidding? And it's like, Joe, no one thinks you're kidding. <laughs> we all know you're old. Like, I'm so old. <laughs> you might think I'm joking around. But like, no, we that's like the problem. Yeah. That's like the, one of the biggest problems we're having. We're all waiting until you die because it can happen any moment. Uh, he says, you think I'm kidding. It seems like just yesterday was the first time I got arrested. Oh, my, God. I guess, oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> 
is just not true. Uh, he said he claimed he marched in the civil rights movement as a student in the 1960s. He says they he's like, they're the ones that opened my eyes as a high school student, the late 50s and early 60s. He made similar assertions, as Travis said, in his presidential bid, his failed presidential bid in 1987. <laughs> he said at the time, I came out of the civil rights movement. I was one of those guys who sat in and marched and all that stuff. Mm. And uh, he has later disavowed his own claims, saying that he was not an activist. That's what he had to say. He said, I was not down marching. I was not in Selma. Ugh. I was not anywhere else. You know, I was a suburbanite kid who got a dose of exposure from what was happening to the black Americans in my own city. <laughs> just why just lie? Say that. Just, just say that. Just, just lie. Did. Why it's, lie? It's still, it was nice he's on the right side of history, but just... Just say you weren't sitting, you weren't doing a sit-in, you were sitting in your chair watching on TV. That's But fine. he still refuses, that. he reprised his claim that he was still arrested, but it just didn't, it never happened. I don't know why politicians are just so freaking weird. He was sitting in his chair and then he took a rest. Thank you. Arrested. I just... He's Why tr- lie about this stuff? It reminds me of what was it? Hillary was under sniper fire. Everyone, oh, it's just yeah. we have video. <laughs> they, I mean, no, I guess not wants, in the sixties. Everyone wants that Bernie clout. You know what I mean? They want that Sanders clout. Then of, you have to do it. Of, I was right. there. I was right. there. <laughs> you have all you. Oh my goodness. Anyway, well, speaking of lying politicians, this one's just kind of funny. It reminds me of O.J. Simpson a little bit because O.J. is still looking for the murderer. (laughs) And I hope he finds him. Sometimes you got to look at the man in the mirror. Look in the mirror. (laughs) Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. He was supposed to resign in 2019, but he just didn't. He he survived. His (laughs) lieutenant governor also survived. There's a sex scandal or a sexual assault scandal. Anyway, Virginia has some crazy ass lieutenant governor and crazy ass governor Ralph Northam. Uh, he got in trouble because there, a 1984 yearbook photo surfaced of him wearing blackface, right? Mm-hmm. But then he admitted that he wore blackface and he was very sorry about it. Um, he said, quote, he's deeply sorry that he appeared in the photograph. And he said that <laughs> he said that on another occasion, he wore shoe polish to darken his skin for a Michael Jackson costume. Oh, yeah, but yeah. again, that was the only black person that you wouldn't have to do that for. So he really took it above. <laughs> uh, he, he went above and beyond. Right. Well, yeah. maybe in the 80s. Yes. <laughs> Northam said in an excellent interview that he blames his initial response on being stunned, confused, and an impulse to hurry to do something. So he admitted that it was he in the picture, but now he is saying it was not me in the picture. And he said that he is pretty close to finding out who it was in the picture because it's a person Ooh. with a similar last name and the and the yearbook is in alphabetical order. Oh. So Northam is on it. He's going to find out who did blackface in that picture in 1984 because wow. it was him. Because it was probably him, but <laughs> my issue is details on this picture is that not only is there a man in blackface in the picture, there's someone in a Ku Klux Klan robe. It was couples' night, so I, couples' yeah. night opposite <laughs> tracks. So if you're not the dude in blackface, are you the guy in the robe? Because you were in this picture. So who are you in the picture? It's damn. Yeah, uh, I'm not it's telling. Pretty bad. Yeah, looks pretty oh, bad. I'm either not way. telling. Uh. All right, let's wrap up the voting rights, uh, Travis. So, do you think? Question, McLaughlin. Mm. Question. Uh, question. Do you think next issue? Joe Biden. A. In order to get voting rights passed, he needs to get rid of the filibuster. It looks as if the Democrats. It's not just cinema. It's not just mansion. There's a lot of, or not a lot, but there's a few other Democrats that are saying, "No, I'm sorry, we don't want to get rid of the filibuster." It seems like it might be even more difficult than we previously thought. So can Biden do that? 
because I think he has to do that. I think we all think he has to do that because I think we all know he has to do that to pass voting rights. Or is this whole thing, as I've said already on this episode, DOA, dead on arrival because Mm. they're simply not going to get the votes at all. So he can say anything. In a way, politically, it's almost he can promise to erase student loan debt again (sighs) because he knows he doesn't have the power to do it, even though he actually does. Right. I mean, it's a big issue. Again, we touched on it last week in terms of the passionate speech that uh, President Biden made, of course, uh, handicaps aside on what he said about he keeps saying he got arrested, but whatever. <laughs> it's hey, all listen here, f- corn pop. <laughs> listen here. Listen here. I'll, I'll take out back and do some push-ups. That's yeah. what we'll do. Oh, sweet. But what we really have here, as we touched on last week, is whether or not um, the Democrats can get all the votes with just 50 of them, and whether or not this means removing the filibuster, which, as we touched on last week, would be A, hard to do, and also a big deal if the Democrats become the minority again. Right? Absolutely. It's, the idea of the filibuster is a tool to be used by the minority party. Um, so it's right. not just cinema. We talked about Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema and West Virginia mm-hmm. Senator Joe Manchin. We obviously know that they have been at odds with the more progressive senators in the mm-hmm. Democratic caucus. But it's not just them. It's also Democratic Senator Mark Kelly, who, of course, oh. uh, was married to uh, former uh, Congresswoman Gabby Gifford. I believe still married to her. Yes. And she's no longer a congressperson, obviously, but they are still married. But even he doesn't know what how he feels about getting rid of the filibuster. And then there's more. There's also Senator Chris Coons from Delaware, Joseph Biden's home state. He's not sure because he helped organize a bipartisan letter backing up the legislative filibuster in 2017. So he is also in limbo about getting rid of the filibuster. Hmm. And then, of course, there's more of your blue dog Democrats like John Tester from Montana, Senator Gene Shaheen from New Hampshire, and so on and so on. So it's even tougher, Ben, than what we yeah. spoke about last week, where we it kind of keeps coming back to Mansion and Cinema, but you're kind of starting to wonder, like we again, we kind of touched on this last week as well. The Mansion and Cinema, they're just kind of the lightning rods for some of the animosity within the Democratic mm. caucus when really there's more senators who feel the same way. Absolutely. Uh John Tester, of course, uh I saw him on CNN. Uh, Multiple months back, he had a big mustard stain on his T-shirt. So, you know, he's got my vote. He's so Um, cool, man. (laughs) He likes talking about the filibuster, but is, quote, not crazy about making an exception for voter rights. Uh, Meanwhile, Senator Jeannie Shaheen. Jeannie Shaheen. Jeannie Shaheen, a Democrat in New Hampshire. uh, She says reforms are needed. But she wants more modest changes. She cites the near impossible odds the party facing the faces rather in getting all 50 Democrats on board for changing the filibuster. So that looks like it is not going to happen because that's what five right there. Right. 45, 55. And then, yeah. So it's not looking good. Right. And then if they can't do that, if they can't get voting rights passed, Again, it's just going to be tough to hold on to the House. The Senate is looking interesting. We have something in Wisconsin here with the Senate. Uh, There's actually a a man finally rising that could possibly take on 
um, that could take on Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. Cory Booker has uh, announced his support for Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. Uh, Mandela Barnes is a uh, progressive Democrat. Uh, he has worked with um, former Mayor Barrett. Mayor Barrett, of course, he is someone who actually stopped a robbery from taking place. Mm. He's a true hero, Tom Barrett. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to meet him a little bit when I was at Milwaukee University. So it looks as if Mandela Barnes is the front runner for the Democrats to take on Ron Johnson out of Wisconsin. And uh, we can only wish him luck because anyone will be better than Ron Johnson, who is just a corporate freaking shill in every sense of the word. And uh, Mm -hmm. he has not helped the state whatsoever. An internal poll released by Barnes's campaign, uh, that was this past Friday, found that the lieutenant governor has a 29-point lead over Milwaukee Bucks executive Alex Lassery. Lassery. I used to intern with him at uh, Chuck Schumer's office in D.C. So you know Lassery, and you actually, you like him. I, I liked him. He's an interesting character. We do not come from the same financial backgrounds. His dad is Mark Lassery, the billionaire uh, <laughs> hedge fund manager. That's why he had the internship. I got the internship through my friend Zach. Because he's <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a slightly different. I don't even know what it would be like to grow up a billionaire. Um, he also, again, this is uh, Barnes. He has a thirty-point lead over Wisconsin Treasurer Sarah Godlewski. Godlewski. So, <laughs> looks like uh, looks like he may Mandela Barnes may run away with it in Wisconsin, and then of course we'll have the uh, the main debate between Barnes and Johnson. A law firm you can trust. Which is very, very good, I think, for the Democratic Party in Wisconsin, because that's obviously part of the problem is when you have too crowded of a primary, then you really start to fracture votes. Feelings Mm. get hurt. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. And really, as you pointed out, Ben, a senator like Ron Johnson, who I don't know what he's done for Wisconsin, he should be Foxconn. Wisconsin (laughs) has a nice liberal streak. Don't forget. Russ Feingold, the only senator the to vote against the Patriot Act, 99 to 1. He's Wisconsin. Feingold so. was the best. I was dating a gal, and I, it was for her birthday, and he signed an mm-hmm. autographed picture. <gasps> and he said, two, I will say her name in my head. And <laughs> okay. you're a hot, he said, you're one hot babe. Aww. That's what he said on there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wasn't that sweet? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, on a house front in North Carolina, not sure what it really affects, uh, Clay Aiken is going to run again. I had a chance to meet Clay a couple of times. And mm-hmm. I must say, he's a very nice man. And um, he's a good dude. So who knows what will happen? He's going to go against Madison Cawthorn. Um, I'm not sure if he, uh, not sure what the odds are. Madison Cawthorn, of course, he's a firebrand. Uh, he's a freaking <laughs> lunatic. Uh, this is what Aiken had to say. He says, because today it seems like the loudest voices in North Carolina politics are white nationalists like this guy. So he's going to go with, uh, with that angle. I think there's a lot of angles to attack uh, Cawthorn on. Uh, the man is, again, extremely fraudulent. And uh, apparently he's got a lot of... Um, Baggage, hmm. sexual hmm. assault, and uh, things of that nature. He was also there on January 6th making a speech uh, before Trump went on stage. Yeah, Same stage. he was there on January 6th, so he shouldn't be in office anymore. And uh, hopefully uh, Clay Aiken can, can – uh, I don't even know what I think about it. To be oh, hopefully he can. Hopefully they have like a sing-off, kind of like American Idol. Be whatever that show what, what, was. What, 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 what did Ruben Stuttered run? Uh, I was gonna say, hopefully he beat. He does better in this than he did in American Idol. Well, he you got know. second. 
Yeah, but, but you know. Well, oh, you don't right. want second. Yeah, yeah. you don't want uh, that. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully he does better. <laughs> yeah, I want him to win. I want the white nationalist to lose. It may, if if Kelly Clarkson can jump in and endorse him, <laughs> then I think that would put him over the edge. Yeah, this is what Aiken said in the video. He says, "For decades, North Carolina was actually the progressive beacon in the South." But then things changed and the progressives lost power and we started getting backward ass policies. I like that he said backward ass policies. Mm-hmm. He's going there. He mm. said like voter suppression bills and the bigoted bathroom bill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, who knows? We'll see. It looks I, – I think if he talked economics, that is a big winner uh, because – Right now, people are truly suffering. It's a little bit difficult to talk economics when, if you are a member of the party in power, because, of course, people are going to blame you for their current situation. Mm -hmm. This is actually quite devastating. The American families are falling deeper into debt. Apparently, the average family now owes $155,000. That is sucks, man. Wow. Uh, They're paying more for groceries to gasoline. Household incomes are failing to keep the pace with the higher overall cost of living. As a matter of fact, median income fell 3% over the past two years. Well, the cost of living rose 7%. So what are we doing here? Come on. This is unsustainable. More than three quarters of Americans... 78% have received some form of pandemic relief. Um, But again, what was it? And yet more than one third said their household financial system has gotten worse over the past year. Uh, Americans have paid off a record $83 billion in credit card debt. Credit card balances are once again on the rise. So qui bono, who benefits from a crappy ass economy? Credit cards. Nancy Pelosi with her investments. Exactly. It's horrible. So why would we fix the problem when technically it's good for us? According to Sarah Rathner, NerdWallet's credit cards expert, she said the past year and a half was already tough for millions of Americans who lost jobs. Now we're faced with rising costs for much needed items, food, housing, gas, transportation, and medical care. It remains difficult for many uh, to catch up. It's just horrible. Brutal. The average family, 155 grand. That is like, I hate being in debt to people. Oh, and then same. to have 155 grand. So at, like, it's being broke is a luck. Like being broke means you have zero. Yeah, it's a luxury. We're talking negative. Yeah, like in, in the, the red. In the red. So even if you get a good job, mm-hmm. I mean, let's say a good job being 60 grand a year. Right. It will take you. How many, if ever? With interest, Ben. And these are these are credit card loans. These are car loans. These are school loans. They have, we're talking about 7% interest. 7% mm. interest. Oh, horrible. Just so you know, 7% interest over 10 years doubles the amount of the original principal. So if so, anyone saying 7% isn't a lot. 7% 10 years double. Wow. That's wow. crazy. So, And keep in mind, the student loan crisis continues to grow. I think it's $1.7 trillion now collectively nationwide. And to think, all of these Congress people had so many problems giving unemployed people an extra $600 a week while their stocks grew by millions of dollars. You know what's so crazy, bro? The average U.S. house, again, as I said, $155K, it's $15 trillion bucks. Yep. As a whole, as a whole. $15 trillion, exactly. including debt from credit cards, mortgages, home equity lines of credit, auto loans, student loans, and other household obligations. It is up 6.2% from a year ago. It's not sustainable. Right. It's not sustainable. That's- so I, I just, for these politicians, again, 
to be able to uh, make money off of all of this is the problem. And for Joe Biden to give a payment pause mm. for student loans, which again are just kind of a political, they are politically thrown around. Right. But that's just one aspect of it, mm-hmm. you know, and not to mention the predatory loans that, that um, loaning that occurs. Right. You know, sometimes these will cost 30%. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just- If you're it, lucky, 30%, Ben. It's just horrible. So anyway. But the reality of, of this is that this is what truly is affecting the economy. These people, when you're paying a school loan, you're not able to go to the store and buy something. You're not able to to make this money and push it back into Well, the- I mean, and if you extrapolate even further, it's like, what's cheap for food? It's all crap. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you have food deserts. Those are all over New York. And I'm sure there's a lot here and all, all over the country. Yeah, they're all, all over the country. Yeah. So it's like, if you can afford, what can you afford? A couple of roller dogs from 7-Eleven or, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, on a just, credit card because that's the best you can do, you know? It's just kind of leads to so much stress. And, uh, and my heart goes out to everyone suffering financially because um, it's just really hard to get out of it. And again, as we're seeing now with people are, we're, we're in a moment of flux. And I really hope when the dust settles because it is an employee's market and employees are asking for more. And I think that's fantastic. They need to be yeah. treated with more dignity and more respect as again, these companies make billions and billions of dollars off of our sweat, hard work, and labor. Um, hopefully, people can find a way to monetize their passion. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, mm-hmm. that's what the one of the positive things of the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. World Wide Web. Yep. Hopefully, that can occur. Because one thing about the pandemic, people realized, oh, my job is horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Just lastly, lastly, Trump has, a, don't worry, Trump has a new social media app. It's going to launch on President's Day mm-hmm. and it's going to immediately be filled with porno. Yep. I'm already <laughs> posting on there, Ben. It's already truth social. On there. <laughs> truth. Truth social. You can't handle the truth. I don't know. All I don't right. Know, I don't know if America can handle the truth. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what people can handle these days. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you're doing well out there. What you, you go on, Trav? What do you got? I, I got I got one little thing. Please, ben, God, before you sign. I don't want to. I don't want to end it on such a sour note. Everyone's in debt. Oh no! Before we go, I just want to give a shout out to a man who did live his passion, and his passion was his work. And I know this is a political show, but he did play one of the greatest presidents in a show called Historical Roast. Oh. R.I.P. Bob Saget. Mm. Uh, check out Historical Roast, the Abe Lincoln episode that uh, Eddie Larson from Brighter Side yeah. wrote and produced on that. And Bob Saget was a class act. So, just, man, we're gonna miss him. I had a great day with Eddie on Sunday. We went and we watched football and I was like, this is great. I got into, as soon as Ed got into the car, I'm like, something always bad happens in January. And I was like, what day is it? And I was like, oh, nothing yet. It was like the eighth or something, right? Ninth. Yeah. I was like, nothing yet. And then we're driving back. The Dolphins won. Packers lost, but we clinched. It's all good. We clinched the division and we're in the playoffs. We've got a first round bye. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the Dolphins won. They beat the Patriots. It's always fantastic. So we were happy. Mm-hmm. And then. As looking at his phone, he's like, motherfuck. And then mm. I was like, what happened? And then um, we found out Bob had passed. It is so sad. We don't have a long on this earth. So do you, treat that as a reason to do whatever you want and try to, of course, don't hurt people. Try to help people. But it's just like we're, we don't have long. Mm-hmm. We really so don't. just do, do, do whatever good. you want. Do good and you know, don't be scared to do stuff because, um, you know, other people are just going to do it worse than you. <laughs> so you just get out there 
and do the best you can. I also want to give a shout out uh, to another individual who listened to the show that ran for office or is going to uh, or did run for office. It's and the one and one. It is uh, malarkey underscore dragon. Of course, he won because he said we have a little bit of malarkey. Mm. And so Joe was like, no malarkey. But then sometimes I say. Maybe just a little malarkey. Tiny a little bit. bit of malarkey. We'll have fun with it. <laughs> malarkey so he says, on, on the weekends. Yeah, malarkey underscore dragon, a.k.a. the malarkist. He said, hey, Ben, Alt inspired me to run for local office and I won. It's only precinct judge of elections. It's a huge job. But it's a job that definitely needs to be done in good faith. More independents under 40 need to enter politics or we'll be spinning our wheels forever. Thanks again. And truly, judge of elections, you wait until you get a phone call. Like, can you uh, let's flip a couple can of numbers? Find on 12, Twelve thousand new votes in your shoe. <laughs> can you do that, please, folks? <laughs> what if you had too much chilling? You forgot the votes, okay, folks? Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're doing well out there. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. <laughs> that's uh, that's my new saying. Keep your head up. You gotta say it like that. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, Commuter Connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine.